0: Teaching math is hard, and it's even harder when you hate math. When you're an upper elementary teacher, you're expected to be an expert in all the subjects. So it can be even tough to reach out to other teachers when you need help. And if you don't feel supported by your admin, then it's easy to feel completely lost and hopeless when it comes to teaching math. No wonder you hate it. But don't worry, you're not alone. You're now part of the best unofficial math PLC for upper elementary teachers learning to love math. Hey teacher, and welcome to the Learning to Love Math podcast. I'm Brittany, and I'm a teacher, tutor, math learning coach, and the TPT seller behind Math with Minis. In just two years, I went from being basically math illiterate to having students make two years of gains with math in my classroom. Now I'm a math interventionist who is determined to help teachers and students who are learning to love math. Okay, so today in this episode we're going to be talking about how you can get started with math workshop. When I did a little bit of research and started talking to upper elementary teachers who were looking to incorporate math centers, rotations, guided math, one of the number one questions was how the heck do you get started? It can be really overwhelming if you're a new teacher and you haven't really done this before, or if you've used a different structure and now you're being asked to either incorporate this or if you're just looking for more ways to mix it up and help your students learn in different ways. So I totally get it. It can be overwhelming when you're learning something new and you know, especially if you have to change up how you do things. It's not only an adjustment for you, but it's adjustment for your students, especially if you're changing mid-year. So I want to help you be as equipped and as prepared as possible. And one big part of that is planning it all out. So much of success with guided math groups and teacher time and math workshop really comes down to the planning. So here are some things to consider when you are planning for math workshop. So not only do you want to schedule a time to actually do math workshop, but I really recommend setting aside some time each week to plan it. So you basically have to plan to plan. So you'll want to schedule a time for it. So you'll think about when in the day are you going to be doing it? Are you still going to be doing a more traditional home group math lesson? And if so, is this coming before or after that? Are you going to incorporate the bigger math lesson into your workshop? And are you doing it in the morning or afternoon? Are you doing it before or after recess? These are all little classroom management things that you will want to consider because if students are less alert or less excited about it, they may or may not be as engaged or as participate as much. But yes, definitely schedule a time to plan for it. And then once you do sit down to plan for it, really think about when you want to have it. And also consider which components you're going to have. Now, some people are purists and they're going to say you need to have a warm up and solve and share. You need to have a mini lesson. You need to have center rotations, a daily assessment, and maybe even an exit ticket. It usually takes an hour per day. But I'm not a big fan of telling teachers what they have to do. We already get so much of that. And so if you do have a little bit of autonomy and a little bit of agency in your classroom and if you're not being assigned to do it in a certain way at a certain time of day, then I highly recommend just thinking about what are the components that you think are going to work best for you and your students. Usually, it takes about an hour a day for me, and I do include all of those components except for a daily assessment. I consider when I'm walking around, when I'm making observations, when the students are back with me at the teacher table during teacher time, I'm able to get some pretty good data in real time as to whether or not they get it or if they're struggling with some kind of foundational skill. The other thing you'll want to plan is how your warm-up will look. So what I'm talking about, how it will look, I'm talking about the logistics, because those are those sneaky little things that we don't think about and that end up eating up so much of our time. So, for example, will the students have math workshop notebooks? Are you going to incorporate an interactive notebook portion into your workshop? Or are you going to print and pass out papers each day? If so, you might need to set aside a little more time to prep each day as opposed to at the beginning of the week. Maybe you'll want to have a binder where it's hole punched and they have a packet by the day, week, month or quarter. There's really no wrong way to do it. It's totally up to you. Um, I've usually put little sections at each center with either worksheets or um, laminated pages they write over in center games. And it's easiest for me to set it up at the beginning of the week and write Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But every teacher has a different style and preference. So you just need to think about what is realistically going to work for you. Are you the kind of person who likes to get to school a little bit early every day to plan and prep? Or would you rather just get it all done at the beginning of the week so you can kind of chill on the other days? The other thing you'll want to plan for is the structure of the mini lesson. I really suggest using a gradual release of responsibility, you know, that tried and true I do, we do, you do, and then they do alone or in groups. And when you start with the warm up and solve and share, it's kind of like they're doing before, which you can use as a pre-assessment because you're seeing whether or not they can do it on their own or what are those possible gaps in understanding already but it's totally up to you. Some teachers will have a whole traditional math lesson and then they will go into the other components of math workshop. It is completely up to you. I like to keep the lesson short and sweet so I can make sure there's a better chance for retention. But you know what? Everybody has their own preferences. And then the other thing you'll want to think about in plan is the structure of your teacher time slash teacher table slash guided math. So will students be doing the same thing there every day no matter what? Maybe you always do manipulatives there. Or maybe you have more of a structure. So you have, like, you do a little bit of a mini worksheet. You also maybe have an ongoing project for the whole week. And maybe you have, like, five minutes of manipulatives time at the end. Or maybe there's a certain um, time that you designate for math games with the kids. That's a great way to connect with them, by the way. So you get to pick. Now, I really like to leave it open up to a degree to how I see that they do in the math lesson or the whole group lesson. If I see that they're struggling with a particular concept, then I might really want to focus on that for that day. But I know some students are so behind on some of those basic foundational skills that I could probably tell you just off the top of my head, which kids need what and what I'm going to be working on with each group when they get back to me. So yes, the biggest first step is thinking about planning all of that out. And then once you plan that, it's time to plan your centers. You'll want to start thinking about the centers that you actually want to use, if you're even going to use them. Centers are definitely not required. I know plenty of teachers who utilize the math workshop structure in their classroom without doing math centers or stations or rotations. And it kind of sounds wild, right? Because when we think of a structure, we think we have to use all of those components. And I think that they are really helpful. They help keep the students engaged. They give the students chances to work on projects and group work. Um, But that may not work for you. Maybe you want for students to stay at the desk the whole time and you have different projects they do independently. Totally up to you. But you do want to consider if you are going to have centers and stations, what kind of stations do you want for them to have? Is it important or even feasible for you for them to be on Chromebooks for part of that time? Are there computers in the classroom that they're going to be using? These are all things that you're going to be thinking about and that will all factor in to the planning, prep, and behavior management during your math workshop. If you need help with this, I actually have a free planning resource to help you get started with guided math groups slash math workshop, and I will link that in the show notes below. Once you have it all planned out in your head, then it's time to actually prep and this is not the prep that you're going to be doing every day or week or quarter or month this is your prep for math workshop overall this is all the preparation that you're going to do for yourself and in your classroom to make sure that you feel prepared before you get your students introduced to the idea so the first thing that you'll want to do this is kind of two steps in one is to figure out if you have everything that you physically need this, again, will take a little bit of visualization on your part because you'll want to think about, are there any furniture pieces I need to have? Do I need to buy any trays to put worksheets in? Do I need to have any manipulatives to have up into bags? Do I need to split them up into different groups? These are things that you'll want to think about before school begins or at least before class is in session because it's so hard to prep these things once the kids are in there. I'm sure any teacher who's hearing that knows that. So you'll really want to have a clear vision, which planning really helps with before you start setting things up in your room. And I always recommend if you can get free stuff, definitely check. There's usually a resource room at a school if you're new and they might have put old materials in there, maybe even from past curriculums that they can't physically get rid of for a number of reasons, but that aren't being used. So sometimes like old curriculums will have a ton of math manipulative sets. And so you can go and check in there for all kinds of goodies. Things I love to use are sets of dominoes, dice. I love to use those little um, like blank dice so that way I can use like um, erase boards and make my own multiple choice problem dice. It's so fun. I also love really using miniature whiteboards as well as dry erase markers. Students love that too. And any other kind of math manipulative, excuse me, math manipulative that will help them to be able to build their conceptual understanding. So you're really going to want to do an inventory of what you already have in your room, maybe what's already been given or donated or left to you. And then you're seeing the gap and seeing, okay, is there anything else I need to buy? And if so, where am I going to request that? Some schools are lucky enough to have a budget, and so you might be able to write down everything you need and give it to your school administrator or the person in the office, and they will take care of it for you. They might even have a supply room where you can just go and get those supplies immediately. If you don't have as much of a budget or like supply support at your school, some other ways to get those supplies are through Donors Choose you could actually even have like parents or members of your community donate items maybe they even have some of these things in the house i know for sanitary reasons some schools might require you to buy these things new so maybe they'll donate cash or you could do something like donors choose where strangers can or friends and family can donate online another way that teachers often get supplies is through amazon wishlist you can create a public wishlist specifically for your class And you can share it with parents or maybe members of your community and see if someone can buy that item on Amazon so that you have it for your room. And sometimes that works a little better than asking for money because then the parent or community member can see specifically what it's going to and it feels better for them because they know exactly how they were able to contribute. Another option to consider when you're looking for supplies is the Teachers Pay Teachers Class Fund. Now, I have not used this myself yet, but I know some teachers who have. I've had a lot of success with it, and that might be really good for buying supplies for actual math centers. That way you don't have to spend all of your money on TPT in order to have those print-and-go resources or activities or projects for the kids. Some other things to consider, you might want to look and see if you have a local co-op. We have in the greater Phoenix, Arizona area, something called Treasures for Teachers. It's amazing. You pay in, it's like $30 a year, but it is so worth it because you can get well more than that in just one visit. People come from all over the greater metro area of Phoenix and donate lightly used office supplies and furniture and, and things for classrooms, anything that they could need and it is just fantastic. They have tons of freebie bins that you can just go and grab stuff for projects. They have manipulatives galore. I've been able to get a whole class worth of backpacks filled with school supplies in there before. So definitely check out and see What are some resources you have in the community? And get creative. Sometimes they're not Googleable. Sometimes they're ran by maybe even older folks that don't really have an online or social media presence. So ask around. Ask the teachers if you're new to a school or if you're new to an area and see where do they go to find quality, free, and cheap stuff. Don't feel like you're boxed in to buying things full price brand new. Also important to note, towards the end of the school year, many principals are usually looking ways to, looking for ways to spend money, lending remainder funds, so that they can get the same budget next year. So the end of the year, like, like May, is a really good time to ask for supplies for the following year. But of course, if you're just getting started, then make sure that you ask as soon as possible at the beginning of a new year. Once you have all of your stuff, it's time to arrange it in your room. And this is definitely something that you want to do before you have any students. So this will also take a little bit of visualization on your part because you'll want to think about, okay, which centers are you going to use and do certain centers have to be done at certain parts of the room? So for example, if you're going to use tech time, And you maybe have like a tablet charging station or a computer station or places where the chromebooks are then that might be a constraint and that might be exactly where tech time has to be and so you might find yourself planning the other centers around that you also want to think about the flow of centers which center is first second third fourth is every student going to get the same center every day do you have time for that or are you going to have to stagger it and maybe do like Group A gets tech time on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, or maybe you're just doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. There are so many variables depending on how you are going to lead and facilitate math workshop. But you definitely want to be thinking about what are the supplies you're using? What is the required furniture for your center areas? And is that going to require you to do certain centers in certain places? And what is the flow going to look like? Because if you're doing projects, for example, then you might want to make sure that that has a certain big table or plenty of room for the students to be spaced out and work independently. Once you feel that you're ready, you have an idea of how it's going to look, your classroom is prepped and prepared, you have all of your supplies either you know bought, borrowed, lended to, and so on, then it's time to prep your students. Next, last but not least, is the fun part. This is when it's time to introduce Math Workshop to your students. For the first week that you do this with them, maybe even for the first two weeks, you're really just helping them to get a sense for what Math Workshop is going to look like. You're going to be timing them, you're going to be setting expectations, and you're helping the students get a feel for what they can expect so that they feel safe and secure, which will allow them to feel a little more welcome to be curious and to experiment once they get into those centers. So, one thing I really recommend doing is actually practicing the rotation. So, if you're going to start for with a uh, math warm-up or solve and share for example, actually do that with them and just introduce one little bit at a time and add to it so they can get used to it and so that they can get a feel for how the structure will look. So maybe on the first day you just talk about it and you just do the warm up with them and then maybe do a little debrief after to talk about how it went. Maybe talk about, okay, today it was great, but next time let's try to get it under 20 minutes or however long that you're going to allocate that in your math workshop time. So yeah, definitely practice the center rotations because that is a way to eat up a lot of the time. One way I do this to make it fun for them is I kind of make it a competition. So um, say we practice our rotations um, and I don't even do the actual rotations. I just have them practice getting up out of their seat, pushing in their chair, slowly, calmly, quickly, and quietly, I said slowly and quickly, but depending on how they're doing it, you're doing it, go to your station, sit at your station. So really just all of those routines and procedures that you would normally do at the beginning of the year anyway, definitely make sure that you're taking the time to do that for math workshop because so much of your success with it is planning, but a lot of it is also behavior management. And if they know what to expect, and if you do the same thing with them every single time, then your math workshop can be executed near flawlessly. So if for some reason they're taking a little bit longer to get back in their seats and maybe they're at 20 seconds, I might say, okay, 20 seconds, that's pretty fast, but let's see if we can get it down to under 15. And then maybe if my goal is 12 seconds, then okay, let's see if we can do 12 without running. (laughs) Make sure you specify specifically what you want and what you don't want. I'm a big fan of PBIS, that's um, Positive Behavioral Intervention and Support. So I like to focus on the positive behaviors and actions that I want for them to see, so instead of saying, don't run. I like to say, please walk. Um, I, I I like to say quickly, quietly, and calmly, because if I say slowly, I don't want them to take their sweet time, right? I want things to move quickly, but I want them to be orderly. So I'm very intentional with the words I say and how much I practice that. And we practice it until we get it right. And then by the time they've really nailed down the timing and the flow and where they're going when, Um, they're excited for it because they've been practicing and waiting for math workshop to actually happen. So they're really excited once they actually get to do it. Another way to make it fun and to kind of help with the behavior management is to incorporate some kind of reward. And this is, of course, it's a little bit external, but it also helps for them to build that intrinsic motivation, which is so important when teaching math, especially if you're not naturally a fan of math and especially, especially if they're not. So one way I do this is by having a little bit of fun time embedded into the week where maybe I give a free center to a particular group who's been doing so well and I'll shout them out in front of the class and say, you know what, you did such a good job today that for your last center, you get to choose which one you go to or you get to do one of these fun coloring sheets, math coloring sheets, however you want to do it. Some other ways to do this, you could do fun Fridays. You can do free time Fridays. Maybe they earn a little bit of free time outside of Math Workshop if that works better for you. You could do like a a class-wide bingo game uh, if the class all does really well all week. Or if you just want to reward a particular group with that, you could do bingo or some other fun game with them at teacher time. Oh, so many other things. You could do Magic Mondays. You could do Genius Hour, but they get to work on a passion project that has to do with you know, math, technology, engineering, science. Um, I'm a pretty big STEAM fan myself. So there are so many ways that you can really make it fun so that you can build that motivation and love for math so that it's actually something they look forward to, but that it's still orderly and organized and in a way that doesn't make you totally mad with planning and prep. Over the next few episodes of the Learning to Love Math podcast, I'm going to be sharing some ideas for math centers that you can use as a part of your math workshop. If you know that you're going to incorporate technology, so that means tablets, desktops, or Chromebooks, definitely don't miss next week's episode because I'm going to be sharing the best websites, apps, and activities for kids to do with tech. This is kind of my thing. I was obsessed with Google Classroom before the pandemic, so I have a ton of ideas and even more things I've learned about since it started. So I can't wait to share those with you. If you'd like more ideas for activities or to purchase some printable resources, definitely check out the show notes in this episode for links to my blog and teachers pay teacher store. I have some digital activities in there too, and I'm going to be creating more digital mass center activities over summer at your request. I also host a free Facebook group with all kinds of tips, tricks, training, tools, and templates for upper elementary teachers who maybe secretly hate math, but know they need to teach it. You're more than welcome to join. I'd love to see you in there, and I'll leave the link in the show notes for you. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. I firmly believe that anyone can do math, that your students can absolutely learn math, and that you can definitely teach math. If you still secretly hate math, that's totally okay. I won't tell, and I'm here to help. I'm happy to be a part of your journey as you're learning to love math. If this podcast episode has helped, motivated, or inspired you today, it would mean so much to me if you would leave a five-star review on whatever platform you use to download and listen to your podcasts. It really would mean so much to me. Thanks so much for listening and for learning to love math.